Well, I hope you have the joy of the Lord down in your heart, right? I appreciate Laura playing today. I love that song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That moment in time when Martin Luther stood there at what was called the Diet of Worms. Now, that's like sounds like bad, but it was a city in Worms, Germany, a conference that was held to basically have an inquisition against him for saying a man is justified by faith alone. And it said Martin Luther took on the table. He had his Hebrew Old Testament, his Greek New Testament, and, of course, Jerome's Latin Vulgate there, and he opened it up and said, unless I'm convinced by reason or Scripture, conscience or Scripture, for it's unwise to go and get both, here I stand, I can do no other. And so what an awesome testimony that was, a mighty fortress. We appreciate Laura sharing today. Choir members, great job. Singers, great job. It's a great day, right? Opening your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. A series out of Philippians on maintaining your joy in service tonight in difficulty. I want to say a special welcome to those of you watching online and those in the modern service. Thank you for your listening and tuning in today. I hope the day is an encouragement to you to keep on serving the Lord. Paul writing these words from prison. There's a great reason to be discouraged. And yet the theme of the epistle was joy, maintaining your joy. He was praying always for them with joy. In verse 5, we see the three reasons we can serve with joy. Number one, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Number three, for it's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel you are all partakers of grace with me. Here we find the three reasons we can keep serving the Lord even when we grow tired and the joy is not there. Here's how we can restore the joy. Let's pray. Father, I pray today you'll use this message to encourage believers to get involved in service in a greater way. And for those who are involved in service, Lord, that they'll be able to maintain their joy even though there are times for all of us we grow tired and weary. Help us to keep the joy and the passion and the zeal. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Between Columbus, Ohio and Sandusky, Ohio is a rural farmland area called Attica, Ohio. Anybody ever been to Attica, Ohio? Uh, okay, we had one in the early service. Named after Attica, New York, the small Ohio town has a population of just under 1,000 people, and it's mostly soybean fields and farmland. On South County Road 35 is a small white church with a green metal roof built in 1900. And the name of the church is the Union Pisgah United Methodist Church. Now, the church's original bell that was on its roof is no longer on the roof because they got a new roof, but it stands in the church's front yard. The last two years, the church has added a nice new handicap ramp at the front entrance. You can look at it on Google Earth street side and see the brand new handicap ramp. The wood is all still brand new. On the other side of State Road 35 is a cemetery that's been there since the church was founded in 1900. Surrounding the church's Half acre of parking, wow, are miles of soybean fields. The old white 
church looks very similar to the one that I first bivocationally pastored, Paperville Baptist Church, that started in 1910. The pulpit was from the 1800s, and man, that thing was a mile long. The Union Pisgah United Methodist Church is a famous church. In fact, it's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. Why is that? In 1935, 13-year-old Alice Gurney sat at the piano bench and played her first hymn, When I See the Blood. And by the way, I love to hear about Methodist churches singing about the blood. The following Sunday, Alice played again. And again and again for 80 years and 188 days, Alice Gurney Idol continuously played the piano at the Union Pisgah United Methodist Church. She retired from playing in 2015 at age 92, and she went on to be with the Lord in 2019 at age 96. Alice played for 80-plus years. Eleanor Anderson of Illinois taught Sunday school for 71 years. Reverend Suniharu Oshima actively pastored churches until he was 101 years old. His eldest son, the Reverend Yoshinana, Yoshino Ashima, said his father continued to work as a preacher even after 100 years of age. That raises the question, how can a Christian serve the Lord with joy their entire life? How can you maintain your joy in service for decades and decades and decades? And I believe the answer is found here in Philippians 1, 5-7. As Paul explained why he prayed with joy for believers in Philippi. The book of Philippians has been called the joy book because the theme is joy. In 1-4, he said he offered prayer with joy. 1-25, he had joy in the faith. 2-3, 2-2, complete my joy. 2.29, receive Epaphroditus with joy. 3.1, rejoice in the Lord. 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord. 4.10, I rejoice at your concern. And even as he sat in prison with terrible food and dirty water and facing death, he still maintained his joy. How can a believer maintain their joy in serving the Lord even after 80 years and 188 days? We find out the answer here. Now, if you've sung in the choir for decades, and some of you have, you have to admit, no admission, this is rhetorical, there are Sundays you don't feel like going and singing, right? If you've taught Sunday school for years and decades, there's Sundays you don't feel like preparing and going. If you've worked in the sound booth or helped with greeting or ushering or cooking or signing checks, or Sundays or Wednesdays, you don't feel like doing what you know you have to do. Same is true for the instrumentalists. Preparation takes time. Practice takes time. Going over the music takes time. Getting here on time takes time. And I have no doubt for band members, instrumentalists, musicians, there are weeks when you don't feel like practicing and you don't feel like being here. There are weeks when Alice Gurney Idol didn't feel like playing the piano. Eleanor Anderson didn't feel like teaching. 101-year-old Pastor Oshima didn't feel like pastoring. How do you maintain your joy in service when you don't feel like it anymore? The Apostle Paul rejoiced when he prayed for believers in Philippi. Paul remembered what these believers focused on, and that's what gave him joy. See, our service, oh, holy hush moment here, here we go. Our service for the Lord should not be driven by how we feel when we get up on Sunday mornings, but how 
the Lord gives us joy based on the three truths in these verses. So whether you've been serving the Lord a long time and you're a lot tired, or you've been serving the Lord a short time and you're a little tired, or whether you're not serving the Lord at all right now and you need to get in the game and give some others a break, these three facts will increase your joy as you serve the Lord. That's the point. I read about a mother who went to wake up her son one church for Sunday morning. She knocked on his door. He said, I'm not going. His mother said, why not? Son said, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, they don't like me. Number two, I don't like them. The mother said, I'll give you two good reasons. You need to go to church. Number one, you're 47 years old. Number two, you're the pastor of the church. You need to go. <laughs> How do you maintain your joy in service after decades and decades? Here's the answer. First of all, realizing we serve cooperatively. We serve cooperatively. Verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day till now. From the first moment, those believers in Philippi, some down at the riverside, Philippian jailer in his home, from the first moment they placed saving faith in Christ, they had a partnership with Paul and each other in the gospel. Before Christ, no partnership, no common purpose. After Christ, partnership, common purpose. The word partnership is koinonia, gives us our word fellowship. We serve with joy because we have a common fellowship in the gospel. Jesus and the apostles wanted people to hear and believe the gospel. The Philippians wanted people to believe and hear the gospel. We should want people to believe and hear the gospel. That's our purpose. Our purpose in life is not accumulating stuff, then getting more stuff, nicer stuff, and bigger and better stuff. Our purpose in life is doing whatever it takes, regardless of what we do to pay the bills, for other people to hear and believe the gospel. That's not just a preacher's purpose or a missionary's. Friend, that's your purpose, Christian. Our service for the Lord is a means to that end, but that's our purpose. We have a cooperative fellowship, partnership in the gospel. And that's what brought Paul joy as he prayed for those in Philippi. And it should bring us joy as well. As we serve, we are cooperating with the apostles. We're cooperating with the early believers, to our family and friends in the city and the world. We are cooperating with all believers that are trying to take the gospel to the world. There's 47,000 plus or minus a few Southern Baptist churches in the U.S. And the average size Southern Baptist church is about 100 people, maybe a squeak less. We have a partnership with all those believers based on the gospel. See, we're not serving on our own. We're serving in partnership with other believers around the world, and that should increase our joy as we serve. So the Philippians were participating in the spread of the gospel, sharing their faith, telling the good news, doing what every believer ought to be doing in fellowship and cooperation with other believers. You know, one of our Baptist distinctives is that we serve the Lord cooperatively. That's why we call it the cooperative program. And really, that's something the early Christians did. In Acts 27, 28, we learn about a great famine that was hurting the Jews in Judea. And this famine gave Gentile believers an opportunity to help feed these hungry Jews and take the gospel to them. And not only did the church at Antioch participate in that mission opportunity, 
The churches in Macedonia participated, and Greece, and Achaia. They all participated in that missions opportunity of giving their money to take the gospel around the world. The church at Philippi supported Paul with a gift more than once. That's part of the reason he wrote this epistle. And this represents how Southern Baptists do missions work. We do it correctly, in my opinion. Many churches pooling and partnering their resources together in a cooperative fashion to accomplish more than each church working independently. That keeps our missionaries on the field, as opposed to having spent half their time raising their funds and their support and the other half on the field. It keeps the churches, uh, the mission work from uh, suffering when radical swings of a single church would have hurt those missionaries. I like what SBC missionary Andrew Davis wrote. He wrote, when God called me and my family to go to Japan as missionaries, we were fully supported by the cooperative program. He said, we didn't have to go from church to church raising our support, but there was a fully developed missions team already on the field waiting for us to allow us to be maximally effective. He said, when the value of the dollar plunged against the Japanese yen, many faith missionaries of faith mission agencies had to go out and raise their support, and they had to leave their work to go home and raise money. But the cooperative program allowed us to stay put for the International Mission Board guaranteed our support in Japanese yen and not just dollars. See, as a local association of churches, we partner together to facilitate evangelism and ideas and resources and sometimes buildings. Our faith and message encourages us to cooperate together to expand the kingdom. And that's one of our Baptist distinctives is we support missions cooperatively. And as we do this, it ought to give us joy in our service because not other, only are other people counting on us, but the Lord is counting on us. So regardless of what your place of service is in the church, realize that you are serving in partnership with the gospel. And that's, that's exciting. Think of a football team, maybe your favorite college team. Every player has a place of service on the team. And even if you don't think every player is important, let that player not do his job and see what happens. I remember an NFL game between Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks, and Tony Romo was the placeholder for Dallas to kick the winning field goal. The long snapper snapped a great snap, a great snap, but Romo bobbled the ball. He tried to pick it up and run. He was tackled, and Seattle won the game because the placeholder bobble the ball. Now, most football fans would say a placeholder's job is not really important to a team, but you let him drop the snap on a one to two point margin of game, and you'll realize just how important it really is. The same principle is found in the church. Every place of service is important. From the greeter to the instrumentalist to the choir singer to the soloist, the nursery worker, the Sunday school teacher, the sound booth technician, and even the donut and coffee servers. Make sure you tell them thank you for what they do. We're serving together in partnership and cooperation with the gospel. And when we think our place of service in these terms, how important it is, it should bring us joy. There's a lot of debate and discussion about the reason the Titanic sank when it hit the iceberg. Was it a design flaw? Weak rivets, metal fatigue, whatever. 
a lot of discussion why a single iceberg would sink the unsinkable Titanic. Here's something to think about. Did you know there was a pair of binoculars used by 2nd Officer David Blair there, but David only sailed on the Titanic from Belfast to Southampton, and he was ordered to board the Olympic by his supervisors in Southampton. He was not on the Titanic's maiden voyage. He didn't go down when it went down. But in Southampton, when they changed positions and David Blair was replaced by Charles Lightoller, David's binoculars were locked in the locker in his room. Would it have made a difference had he said, Oh, by the way, my binoculars are in my locker. Here's the key. Make sure you get them. Maybe it would have. Maybe not. But it does remind us that even in church, the small things can make a big difference. And there's no small place of service at church. Every place of service matters. From the hello you speak to someone in the parking lot, to the invitation to come to your Bible study class, to offering a guest a, a bulletin or someone who didn't have one, even as something as small as a, a smile and a good morning. Little things like David Blair's binoculars can make a huge difference. So remember, Christian, your service matters as much as David Blair's binoculars and Tony Romo's place hold. Keep on doing your best for the glory of God. I love the old hymn. Hear ye the master's call, give me thy best. For be it great or small, that is his test. Do then the best you can, not for reward, not for the praise of men, but for the Lord. Every work of Jesus will be blessed. All he asks from everyone, their best. Our talents may be few, these may be small, but unto him is due our best, our all. Maintain your joy in service by realizing we serve cooperatively, in partnership, in fellowship, for a greater cause and a greater purpose shared by the apostles and the preachers of the first century church. We're right there with them doing what they did. Do it with joy. Number two, we can serve confidently. Confidently. Look in verse 6. For I am confident, persuaded of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it, complete it, perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was persuaded and confident that the one who begun a good work in the Philippians would complete that work in their lives until Jesus returned. This not only referred to God's work in salvation, God completes what he starts, but it also refers to the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification, how the Lord energizes our spiritual gifts and helps us as we serve. And since he helps us as we serve, he'll continue helping all believers for all time as they serve till Jesus returns. You know the story of the mouse and the elephant walking across the bridge, you know. They got across the other side and the mouse said, boy, didn't we make that bridge shake? We're not alone here. We have, a, we have a big helper who's there helping us, energizing our service. The Lord is helping us, and that inspires confidence. The Bible says we are co-laborers with God. That means if he's laboring with us, we can't fail. Now, there have been times when I preached and I thought, I think I had a bad sermon today. And maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't. But you know, God can even use a bad sermon in a good way beyond what we can possibly imagine to remind us that we are God's fellow laborers, fellow co-laborers. And better than that, he who began a good work in us will perform it and complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. 
Christian, if you're doing what God wants you to do, you can't fail. Even if it seems like and feels like you're unsuccessful. You try to share your faith with someone, but they say, no thanks, not interested. You feel like a failure. And you leave thinking, well, I'll never do that again. They didn't believe. But what you don't see is the future and what your witness did in the life of that person. See, even though they said, thanks, no thanks, not now, the truth is that night when they put their head on their pillow, they thought about what you said to them. It didn't leave them. It stayed with them the rest of the week. And there comes a time they'll suffer a major crisis life event. Maybe a family member dies, job loss, whatever it is, something happens. And they once again begin to reprocess what you said to them about time and eternity and life after. And someone down the line, another Christian, shares the gospel with them. And this time they're more open, it seems, than when you shared the gospel. And you feel like you fail. But what it means is God was preparing their heart for that later witness. God had to plow up the fallow ground. And you might not be there the day they pray to receive Christ, but you had a big part in their profession of faith even though you didn't know it. God sees the value of our service and our witness long after we serve and witness. He sees the difference of what we made in time and eternity even though we don't. For example, here's a great example. Because we have volunteer cooks on Wednesday night for the meal, perhaps a parent or grandparent will decide, I'm going to come on Wednesday night, bring my kids or grandkids to church on Wednesday night. And those children or grandchildren, because they were brought, heard the gospel, made a profession of faith, and everyone assumed it was because the youth pastor, children's pastor, shared the gospel in a powerful way. That was part of it. No doubt that happened as well. But you know, it's also true that had there not been cooks to prepare the meal that night, those parents and grandparents might not have made the choice to come on that Wednesday night, and their kids might not have come and heard the gospel and made a profession of faith. But because somebody gave their time to cook and help with the Wednesday night service, a child or grandchild came to faith in Christ. By the way, did I announce we're having a Wednesday night meal this week? Just thought about that. We can say the same thing for those who work in the sound booth and those who keep the nursery and those who sing in the choir. Let me reword that. Those who teach in the nursery. They don't just keep the nursery. They teach in the nursery. Those who sing in the choir. Those who play an instrument. You know, sometimes we only see the quarterback and the wide receiver do the big play. But we're not for the placeholder, for the kicker. In a close game, the game would be lost. Friend, that ought to give us joy in our service. Because God is working in us. He's working in you. You have a spiritual gift to energize and use so be more effective in the gospel. He's working in us so we'll mature in our faith and be more like Christ. I love the true story of Ruth and Billy Graham one day. They were driving on a long stretch of road construction. There were numerous slowdowns and detours and stops. And finally, they reached the end of all that difficulty, and there was smooth payment once again. And you love it when that comes. You finally get out of all that construction. The sign that Ruth saw that day caught her attention, and here's what the sign said. End of construction. Thanks for your patience. Ruth turned to Billy, and she told him, that would be a fitting description, an inscription on my tombstone someday. End of construction. Thanks for your patience. Well, you know what I did? I wanted to see what she had on her tombstone. 
So you go to findagrave.com. Find a grave. You can look at anybody's grave that's there. You might even find family members' graves that are there. And I looked it up, North Carolina. Sure enough, here's what it says. Ruth Bell Graham, June 10, 1920 to June 14, 2007. At the bottom of the gravestone are these chisel words. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. The truth is, Christian, while we're alive, we're all under construction. But when we die, we'll be complete. Now, we might not be the best of finishers, but God always finishes what he starts. And since he does, that gives us the joy and energy to serve cooperatively and confidently. And number three, compassionately. Compassionately, verse 7. It's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Somebody said, Paul must have been Southerner. You all, you all, you all, I agree. There's a deep tie between Paul and the Philippians that went beyond their financial support. And Paul said, you know, I'm just concerned about you as you are about me. And I wish you could be here. As I wish I could be there. So there's compassion between Paul and these believers, even as he was being called to Rome to make what would be a defense of the gospel. He knew they were there in spirit, praying for him, co-laboring with him, partaking of grace. And this care and compassion Paul had for them and they had for him, it gave him strength and it gave him joy to keep on keeping on, preaching and teaching the gospel. You know, one of the secrets to finding joy in your service is having compassion for those you serve. Somebody says, well, I just don't feel like they care about me. I feel like I'm unappreciated. That's not the attitude that Paul said here. Paul wrote, it's only right for me to feel this way about you all. It was Paul's love and compassion for the Philippians that gave him the joy and strength to keep going. Not necessarily the other way around, even though they certainly had joy and compassion. Service is a selfless act whereby we help others because we care about them. And it's our caring about them that gives us the joy we need. For example, in many places in the country right now, including Memphis, Tennessee, you can't find infamil. I mean, you just can't find it. And we've got it here in Florida. You can find it. So Jamie and I, mostly Jamie, <laughs> has been buying, I just call it the way it is. We've been buying Infamil for our little granddaughter, Isla. I just threw that in on Grandparents' Day, right? I mean, there's no Infamil in Memphis. You can't find it. And she drinks the Infamil. So we find it here at Publix, had a big can. It's not cheap, but they've got it. There's some other places they've got it. They don't have it in Memphis. Parents, grandparents, do you do things for your kids and grandkids because you want to or because you have to? Doesn't the want to supersede the have to? It does. And that should be the way it is in everything we do. We ought to want to help others, want to serve others in the various ways of the church. Not only is it service to the Lord, it's also service to others. And so when you pray, Lord, give me love and compassion to serve and do what I'm doing for others, what that does is, is infuse joy in you 
And that helped, no doubt, Alice Gurney Idol play the piano for 80 years and 188 days. Well, as you know, as Brother Wayne mentioned a little earlier, 21 years ago, Al-Qaeda Islamic terrorists hijacked jetliners and crashed them in the World Trade Center. New York firefighters were dispatched, part of the latter 118 group, dispatched immediately were on their way. One of the men of Ladder 118 was 49-year-old Vernon Cherry, planned to retire at the end of that year. He'd been a firefighter for over 30 years. Joseph Agnello, looking forward to celebrating his 36th birthday, he was there that day when Ladder 118 got the call on 9-11, a proud father, two young sons. Pete Vega didn't start as a firefighter. He spent six years in the Air Force part of Operation Desert Storm, honorably discharged, became a firefighter in 1995. All these and three other men of Ladder 118 responded when the bell sounded. Photographer Aaron McLam snapped what would be the very last photo of Ladder 118 as it went across the Brooklyn Bridge heading toward the burning buildings. Sadly, none of the six men, none of the six men on Ladder 118 made it out alive. The building totally collapsed on them and the fire engine. As Ladder 118 pulled up to the doomed Marriott World Trade Center Hotel, the six firefighters ran up the stairs and helped countless panicked guests escape. Bobby Graff, a mechanic at the hotel, said they knew what was going on, and they went down with the ship. They weren't going to leave until everybody got out of that building. He said they must have saved a couple hundred people that day, Quote, I know they saved my life. Quote, All but one of the six firefighters' remains were found and buried in Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery. Why did these firemen and others, police, and other EMTs, why did they rush into a burning building that would collapse on top of them? The same reason we do what we do and we maintain our joy. Same reason we serve cooperatively, confidently, and yes, compassionately. It's because we care, because we want to, because it's important. It matters. We don't serve the Lord just to do something. We serve the, do, the Lord to do something that will matter in time and eternity. And so here's my challenge to you today, Christian. If you're not yet serving, find a place of service. If you are serving, don't get tired. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. But keep doing what God wants you to do and do it this way and God will bless you and increase your joy and hopefully you can do it for 80 years and 188 days. I pray we'll all serve the Lord in the time we have to the best of our ability. Join me in prayer. The message this morning has been primarily to Christians if you're here this morning and you've never invited Christ to save you from your sins, to pay your penalty for you, to ask Him to transfer His righteousness to you as a free gift, you can do that today, friend. Just silently there in your pew where no one around hears, you might want to pray something like this, Dear Lord, I know I've sinned, and I've been thinking about making a life-changing commitment to Jesus. I need Him to save me right now. I... I can't save myself. Come into my heart. Make me clean. Give me the righteousness I need to enter heaven. 
And friend, if you'll pray that from a sincere, honest heart, fully committed to the Lord, He'll hear you and save you, and you can be His fully devoted follower today. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for allowing us to come to you just as we are. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to render our best to you. I pray that we'll all serve you with joy and serve you with zeal in the time that we have because we know the time will come when we can serve no more. Bless today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing hymn number 307, Just As I Am. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision public, if you need to put your membership at Scott Lake, if you need to follow through in believer's baptism by immersion, one of our Baptist distinctives that it pictures what Jesus did in his baptism, his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave, we show what we've already done in our hearts. Symbolically, we, we show we're believers in Christ by being baptized. Doesn't wash your sins away, but it's very important. If you've not been baptized, you need to be. As we stand and sing, I'll wait for you. Okay? Do what God wants you to do. You come as we sing. Let's stand. If you need to come, do what God wants you to do. Do what God wants you to do. Let's sing. Let this be your hymn of invitation to yourself. Thank you for your praying. Thank you for your singing. Thank you for your being here today. Uh, again, can you imagine being in prison, facing death, and writing a book about joy? It just doesn't match unless you're a Christian. So tonight I'll be sharing about maintaining your joy in difficulty, in difficult circumstances, how to keep your joy. Hope to see you back 6.30 tonight. Don't forget the missions committee meeting, I think is at 5.30 today. I believe that's right. And... Uh, Hope you have a wonderful day. Brother Robert, thank the Lord for the privilege we have of giving back to him what belongs to him. We pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, again for today, for the time that we have had here today to, to listen to your message. Thank you for the opportunities that, that we do have to serve. We ask now that you bless the, the offerings that we're about to take. May it uh, expand your word, not only locally, but around the world. We thank you for that opportunity to, to, to give so our, our missionaries can, can not worry about the, the funds that they, that, that they need to, to, to live and to, to work with. 
We thank you again. Bring us back tonight. Uh, be with us. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you tonight.